Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Monday, May 20th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Buttigieg criticizes Fox News during his Fox News town hall. Harris has a plan to close the gender wage gap. And Joe Biden holds his campaign kickoff event in Philadelphia. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Last night, Mayor Pete Buttigieg appeared in a Fox News town hall. He is the third Democratic candidate in this field to do so after Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar. The town hall was held in a packed high school gym in Claremont, New Hampshire. In a nice bit of stage dressing, they set up the basketball scoreboard so it said 2020, and they just left that lit up over in the corner the whole time. I like that. Moderator Chris Wallace started by saying it was the best attended Fox News town hall to date. He called it a hot ticket. Now, this comes just days after Elizabeth Warren made headlines for saying she would never attend such an event on Fox News, and said that Democrats doing so were legitimizing the channel. Check out the show from Tuesday, May 14th, if you want more detail on that. In the wake of that announcement, Kamala Harris also pledged that she would not appear in one of these Fox News town hall events. However, Buttigieg already had this event scheduled, and he decided to go ahead with it. Beyond that, Kirsten Gillibrand is also scheduled for June 2nd. We'll see if that goes forward. But this issue, the question of whether Fox News itself was a valid place for a Democrat to appear, actually came up in the town hall. And not because a voter brought it up, but because the moderator did. And Buttigieg decided to take it on, but we'll get to that in just a moment. So the questions from the crowd overall were precisely what you would expect. You had questions about the deficit, about abortion, about impeachment, about how the candidate would draw racial minorities to support him, about his age, about the military, and so on. All the normal stuff. Again, as in Klobuchar's town hall, which I covered on this show in great detail, the questions were fair and honest and real. And I do think Fox News deserves some credit for that. This was not an ambush or anything. Having said that, moderator Chris Wallace himself handed Buttigieg his biggest win of the night with this exchange. Listen in. He's already making fun of your name. He's making fun of your looks, comparing you to Alfred E. Newman. Uh, if you say what me worry right now, I could, I'll give you $10, by the way. <laughs> but ser seriously, how, how, do you, how would you deal with him? Because that's what, one of the concerns, I think, for Democrats. Who can be on the debate stage and who... How would you handle the insults and the attacks and the tweets and all of that? The tweets are... I don't care. <laughs> but, and that gets a lot of applause here, the fact is it's a very effective way for him to reach tens of millions of Americans. Well, it's a very effective way to command the attention of the media. And uh, well, I think that, that, you know, we need to make sure that we're, we're changing the channel from this show that he's created. Because what matters, and I get it, look, it's mesmerizing. It's hard for anybody to look away. Me too. It is, it is the nature of grotesque things that you can't look away. <laughs> Having won huge applause twice, Buttigieg then pivoted into actual bread-and-butter issues like wages and health care, drawing a serious distinction between Republicans and Democrats. His argument essentially was that while the drama was focused on the latest insults and tantrums, regular Americans were getting a raw deal from Republicans. 
He said, quote, their positions as a general rule are unpopular. And if we focus on what's going to happen in your life, in other words, if we make it less about him and more about you, paradoxically, I think that's actually the best way to defeat him, end quote. And then Buttigieg took on the elephant in the room, which is why he was even appearing on Fox News at all, despite prominent candidates and the DNC itself boycotting the channel. Listen up. Now, the other thing we've got to do is we've got to find people where they are. You know, a lot of folks in my party were critical of me for even doing this uh, with Fox News. And, and I've, I, I've heard that. <laughs> and, and I get where that's coming from, especially when you see what goes on with some of the opinion hosts on this network. I mean, when you got Tucker Carlson saying that immigrants make America dirty, when you've got uh, Laura Ingram comparing detention centers with children in cages to summer camps, summer camps, then there is a reason why anybody has to swallow hard and think twice before participating in this media ecosystem. But I also believe that even though some of those hosts are not always there in good faith, I think a lot of people tune into this network uh, who do it in good faith. And, and there are a lot of Americans who my party can't blame if they are ignoring our message because they will never hear it if we don't go on and talk about it. And so it's why, whether it's going into uh, the viewership of Fox News or whether geographically it's going into places uh, where Democrats haven't been seen much, I think we've got to find people where they are, not change our values, but update our vocabulary so that we're truly connecting with Americans from coast to coast. All right, Mayor, we've got to take a break here. All right, there are links in the show notes to the full video coverage, and if you want to see an audience that is genuinely fired up, that clip comes near the end of part two in the Fox News YouTube clips. And let me read from coverage by the New York Times of this town hall event, which gets at the strategy behind Buttigieg delivering those lines. There are multiple people in this quote coming up, so I'm going to read their names and then what they said. Quote, Jonathan Martin. Now cometh the Pete prefabricated attacks on Fox right-wing hosts, which are both fair game, and let him tell Democratic audiences in the future that when he did go on Fox, he spoke truth to power about Tucker and Laura. Maggie Haberman, dead on. Asted Herndon, yeah, I think Buttigieg will get some Dem points and viralness for going on Fox and calling out the opinion hosts like Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram for anti-immigrant messaging. That may get more run than Warren's refusal to go on, which cited similar reasons. End quote. Well, Herndon is right. The key headlines around this Fox News event were about how Buttigieg managed to diss the channel itself and how that exchange was, in fact, initiated by the moderator. Now, aside from that exchange, the town hall itself was only slightly different from previous town halls we've seen before featuring Democrats on Fox News. This one included little video packages that were run in between early questions in the one-hour event, including a report on opioid abuse and a look at the history of Buttigieg himself. One notable policy moment was when Buttigieg said he was in favor of abolishing the Electoral College in favor of a national popular vote. When Matthews tried to push back on this, saying it would reduce the voting power of New Hampshire, where the town hall was currently taking place, Buttigieg correctly pointed out that the primary system is actually a party thing, and it would remain in place despite any change to the Electoral College. And, because New Hampshire has the first-in-the-nation primary, it would continue to have an outsized effect on the election, even though its population is small. He got applause for that, too. 
The Fox Town Hall ended with a brief statement from the candidate. I'm going to chop out the part here where he asks you to go to his website and donate and stuff, but here's the final moment in which he makes his case, and more importantly, the reaction. Listen in. Look, what we're trying to do here is different, because the moment that we're in is different. I get that a millennial Midwestern mayor is not what leaps to mind when you think about a prototypical candidate for president. Uh, But I also think we're living on, if it's hard to figure out what's going on right now, it's because we are living on one of those blank pages in between chapters in American history. And what comes next could be ugly or it could be amazing. And uh, I believe running for office is an act of hope. And so is voting for somebody and supporting somebody and volunteering for somebody. I hope you'll join me in making sure that that next era is better than any that we've had so far. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you. Wow, a standing ovation. And that moment does give me hope. That is the sound of a standing ovation for an openly gay man running for president on Fox News in primetime. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At a rally in Los Angeles on Sunday, Senator Kamala Harris promised to release a new plan. Let's listen to a small clip of that audio. In America today... Women for the same work, for the equal work, on average make 80 cents on the dollar. Black women make 61 cents on the dollar. Latinas make 53 cents on the dollar. And this has got to end. So tomorrow, I am going to announce the first ever national priority on closing that pay gap and holding and holding corporations accountable for transparency and closing that gap and you will see the announcement tomorrow there will be penalties if they don't And this morning, as promised, the plan came out on her campaign website, although literally no news coverage I read actually linked to the text of the proposal. I have that link in the show notes in case you actually want to read it. First up, I'm going to read from Reuters on the substance of the plan. Quote, under Harris's proposal, which would require approval by the U.S. Congress, companies with 100 or more employees would give their pay data to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or EEOC. They would also have to prove existing pay gaps were not based on gender, but merit, performance, or seniority, and 
commit to policies barring mandatory arbitration pacts for job disputes, and questions about salary history during hiring. Companies falling short of the criteria would be fined 1% of their profits for every 1% wage gap found after adjusting for variables such as experience and performance. Harris's campaign said it estimated the plan would generate $180 billion over a decade with revenue falling as new pay policies are adopted. End quote. Now, there's an acknowledgement here that Congress, and specifically both houses of Congress, would have to pass the legislation to get this done. But Harris has a plan for what she would do in the event that Congress does not act, which, reminder, is super likely if Democrats don't win the Senate in 2020. Reading again from Reuters, quote, She would use the president's executive authority to force companies competing for federal contracts worth $500,000 or more to obtain the certification. Harris's campaign said 28 million U.S. workers would be covered by such executive action, end quote. So to be clear, the executive route would only handle government contractors and therefore be limited to a smaller subset of American workers. In the proposal, Harris cites similar rules that are already in place in the state of Minnesota. So the big thing here is that this puts the burden of equal pay on employers, rather than the previous system of workers having to bring lawsuits every time something happened. While some of those lawsuits have in fact worked, they are incredibly difficult to pursue, and clearly they have not actually fixed the problem. Harris acknowledges that in her proposal. Quote, This will radically change the way we enforce equal pay in America. Our current equal pay laws rely exclusively on proving instances of individual discrimination and place the burden entirely on employees to hold big corporations accountable. But too often, individual cases of discrimination go unnoticed or are too difficult or expensive to prove in court, and workers face increasingly high barriers in banding together to prove their claims. Under our plan, for the first time in American history, companies will be held responsible for demonstrating they are not engaging in pay discrimination. End quote. As part of all this, companies would be required to disclose whether they are equal pay certified on their corporate homepages, during hiring, and within their annual report to shareholders. The campaign points to a precedent set in the UK for a similar set of rules. The reports provided by the EEOC based on corporate data would also be public and available on the EEOC website so potential job seekers could see whether the company they're looking at is certified or not. The Harris proposal is based on fines levied against companies that do not comply with the new law. The funds that come in from those fines would be used by Harris to pay, in part, for one of her other signature proposals, which is universal paid family and medical leave. And last up today, Joe Biden finally held his campaign kickoff event on Saturday. If you're a longtime listener, you'll remember that early on, before the Biden announcement in April, there was quite a bit of disarray, or at least anonymous sources saying there was disarray, about where and when and how this kickoff would happen. It seems a little weird that Biden waited more than three weeks between his official announcement and the actual kickoff event. But whatever, maybe that's a strategy to get more media attention, and if so, it is working because I am talking about it right now. Anyway, early on, there was much discussion of where the event would take place. Ultimately, Biden held the event in Eakins Oval, which is a traffic circle slash public park right next to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. 
Now, that art museum is famous for the so-called Rocky Steps, which Sylvester Stallone ran up while training for a fight in the movie Rocky. Many had expected Biden to hold his event on those steps or around those steps or somewhere in that area, but he chose the Oval instead. And honestly, this seems like a smart choice to me. The Oval allowed him to be surrounded on all sides by supporters at street level with a relatively small human scale podium. The event was large, but not huge. The Associated Press estimated that about 6,000 people showed up and some roads around the circle were shut down to accommodate the crowd. All right, let's talk about what Biden said and did during the event. There was an interesting moment in which a protester interrupted the speech and booing broke out against the protester in the audience. Now, it's unclear to me what the protester was actually saying, but video showed a man holding up a cell phone and running around in the crowd before being escorted out. In this audio, you can hear how Biden starts talking Then the event happens and he responds to it, and also how he gets back to his message. So listen in. So look, look, it's a logical question that people ask why we begin this journey in this place, this great city of Philadelphia. Well, there's a simple reason. There's a simple reason. Because that's, let, let, let him go. That's not how we do it. Other campaigns do it this way. We don't do it this way. You will not hear me speak. I made a pledge. I mean this sincerely. I made a pledge. You will not hear me speak ill of another Democrat. Look, the reason we're here is because in a literal sense, this was the birthplace of our democracy. It was it was here over two. You know, the fact is two of the most important documents, not only in our history, but the history of the world were written right here. In 1776, the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident. These words, these words are the basis for the American creed, equality, equity, fairness, decency. America didn't live up to that promise for most of the people at the time, a prom- the people of color of went for women, but we were born of an idea that every single solitary person given half a chance, no matter where they're from, given half a chance, there's not a single thing they cannot do if they work at it. Nothing's beyond their capacity. All right. One of the key issues surrounding Biden lately is what has become known as his epiphany theory. That is, he believes, and I have quoted him on this show saying just this, that once Trump is out of office, Republicans will have an epiphany and see the error of their current ways, and then they'll get back to some kind of unified governing strategy. It is fair to say that this belief is not shared by a large chunk of Democrats who point to long-standing polarization between the parties that existed way before this presidency. Anyway, addressing that point, Biden said, quote, Some say Democrats don't want to hear about unity, that they are angry, and the angrier you are, the better. That's what they are saying you have to do to win the Democratic nomination. Well, I don't believe it. I believe Democrats want to unify this nation, end quote. He proceeded to talk about how he sees Trump as a key figure in dividing the nation, and also how he sees himself as a unifying force. One more bit from the speech, quote, If the American people want a president to add to our division, to lead with a clenched fist, closed hand, and a hard heart, to demonize the opponents and spew hatred, 
They don't need me. They've got President Donald Trump. Folks, I am running to offer our country, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, a different path. Not back to a past that never was, but to a future that fulfills our true potential as a country. End quote. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Now, for those of y'all in the path of the tornadoes today, I am thinking of you, and I hope you can stay safe. Don't go look at those things. I have seen them myself. It is a dire thing, and it is deadly. All right, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. One, two... Three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.